I've gotten so tired of hearing culture without the ability for anyone to define what culture means. Right. And, and so when I, when I hear people mention culture, what I hear is you haven't yet defined what you actually represent and stand for if it can't be articulated. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Mike, every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way real estate agents and entrepreneurs think about life and business. And, you know, last week when we were wrapping up the conversation, we were talking about culture. And so I want to revisit that conversation. Um, and I want to disrupt the way you think about culture as it pertains to what culture is. And I'm going to start by saying that I believe there actually is no American culture. And that might hurt. When you first hear it's that controversial, right? So, well, that's what we like to do. I mean, this is the disruptance podcast. Okay. So I'm just, I state that there's no American culture. Okay. And by that, what I mean is that the unity right now in the country is uh, arguably at a record low. Would you agree that it's more divisive now than maybe ever in your lifetime? So this is the thing. I mean, you've had this conversation. Mm. I feel less divided. Okay. Tell me about that. Um, I feel that it's, um, I feel like it's the way it's always been. It's just that huh. more people can see it. Okay. Mm. Okay. Interesting. That's point. right. With you social media had, and all that stuff. Yeah. That's the approach that you I'm have. I'm not divided. This is always the way it's always been. Gotcha. Okay. I can't argue against that point. <laughs> um, I mean, well, this, it's not an argument. This is, no, I mean, no. that's just my, that's just my opinion on it. So, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I can see, and I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from a lot of people that we are more divided and I can see why, but I think that it's being conflated. And that's because it's more visible now with media, with, so, with social media, with, with the ability to go everywhere. Yeah, because now you can compare. Yeah. There's comparables. Yeah. And you so, know, go ahead. I'm sorry. It, no, it's interesting, though. I was, um, I, I'm, as you know, I'm, an, I'm a nerd and clearly have no social life. But I was watching some um, clips the other day from the 2008 presidential debate. Mm -hmm. with uh i don't know why all right it's let's crazy just, i let's don't just know what to okay <laughs> i cannot justify why so i'm watching some i'm watching some debate clips with uh mccain and obama okay and when i think about division i think about the fact that now we have the bloods and the crips i think they're the republicans and democrats or whatever they call them and um and you see what the way that uh, that McCain and Obama um, interacted together, yeah. despite being on opposite sides politically, yeah. there was unity of humanity. Of humanity. That's right. And, yeah. and wanting um, the the country and the the people of the country to succeed. It was in. It was not necessarily um, power preservation, but um, national preservation and right. so um so that's why i say that we're more divided than than ever is because um the rhetoric has become highly divided and and so what does that have to do with culture well culture is is really what binds an organization what binds a family what binds um a country right and when you when you look at what what unites man, it is um, a set of beliefs, a set of ideas, um, a set of standards on how you act. 
and how you think and how you interact. And when we look at what culture has become in the last 12 years, uh, since the, uh, that, that debate that I mentioned, um, yeah. it has certainly become um, very ambiguous as to what is an acceptable standard of behavior, of thinking, and of action, right? right. And so, um, so I see the, the line of and definition of American culture getting just uh, daily uh, blurred eroded. into ambiguity and eroded. Erosion. Perfectly. Yeah. So, all right, let's understand that that's the lens and we're not political. Um, nah, we're from not. A this standpoint. is not political. So what does all that mean from a business perspective, you think? Uh, okay. Okay. Um, so what that tells me from a business perspective, if you, if you want to, uh, if culture is important to you, which I believe it is, you have to be concise. You have to, um, not be, if you want to be effective in implementing it, you have to do the opposite of those things. You (laughs) have to, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, that's, I guess, is that what you're asking me? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like you, like, I I guess that's probably why we're feeling kind of a tug from an American perspective and you don't want that in your business. Yeah. Because if you think, um, you know, a country is, is really a collection of people with similar, um, uh, beliefs and standards, um, operating collectively to, to it's an the, avatar. Yeah. So this is the way my, ever, ever since I, we got saved, like that's why God is an avatar of all of this. But for, from a religion perspective, your business, you, it's an avatar. You literally, it's the a collection of those people and the government, the United States government is that's all those, all of us collectively equal the American culture. Correct. Right. Right. And that's how your business, that's how you reflect, it reflects in your business. That's why I can see um, correlations between the two. Okay. So then the difference we see, then I um, am in alignment with you that if a a company, a country, a family is a collection of people, right. The, their level of effectiveness is defined by their standards of thinking and acting and interacting, right? Absolutely. So when we when we look um, from a business perspective about what culture is, and the reason we have this conversation is because you and I, when we go and meet with other agents, um, you know, we talk to we talk to them about what do they enjoy about their current company, and oftentimes you hear culture thrown out. Right. And I've gotten so tired of hearing culture without the ability for anyone to define what culture means. Right. And, and so when I, when I hear people mention culture, what I hear is you haven't yet defined what you actually represent and stand for if it can't be articulated. So it has to be simple. It has to be clear, like you mentioned. Um, and there, there has to be a very easy way for people to know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Absolutely. And when everyone's on the same page of acceptable um, company culture or organizational culture, everyone's able to row in one direction, unity, Mm -hmm. uh, much more effectively. Yeah. And and so the first step towards creating company culture is actually defining what company culture will be. Right. Yeah. What is it that is important to you? And that needs to uh, permeate your organization. 
Yeah. So what is the standard model of behavior and expectations of, of each person in the organization? What is the, what is the um, guiding North Star for how uh, people will make a decision? Okay. Right? Because, you know, in the, in the, in the Christian faith, mm-hmm. uh, you have your Ten Commandments right. and you have your scripture that um, is popularized that helps you filter your decision making. Yeah. There is what is non-sinful and what is sinful from a decision-making perspective, right? Right. And so that is the defining bubble, the the boundary lines for those that are part of a Christian culture. Uh, An organization needs those boundaries as well in order to be a successful business. Right. The challenge we run into is that so few companies actually have defined their culture and then executed it, that uh, it actually becomes blurred to where it's hard to overcome. So um, what are some things that you could define in order to create a culture if you're a business owner? Um, That's a great question. Um, And I think I want to kind of go back about kind of like the government thing that we were talking about. I'm trying to keep it non-political. I think that's a part of the problem. Correct. In America, the culture has been defined. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now there's multiple subcultures that don't align with that American culture. And that's where the friction is. So then the American culture is this because this is the way it's always been. And now it's not that. And so people are like freaking out. Well, we part, of hold it, on to that. part of it too is self is that the interest of others has been eroded towards interest of self, right? We've seen party interest take priority over people interest. Yeah, well, I'm not even talking about like politics. I'm talking about Correct. like, like even like, you know, cultures as far as like black culture. We talked about Italian culture, yeah, Greek culture. I do believe that party interests have been, um, but I just I don't want to. No, so there has to be a unity though. So there has to be. So take an example of that is when you look at a business. But who defines that? That's the problem. Is like leadership must define that. It has to be clear and concise and defined, and then that's how you take that those principles that govern the governments. Yeah, and they can literally govern your business. You define those, and you're clear, and then everybody. Like I, I believe in ca- like um, aspirational, um, you know, vision statements. Because look, as a Christian, that's all aspirational. You, you know, the whole concept of Christianity is you're trying to, you're not perfect, but you're trying to be, you know, you're trying to be better. And so by by casting an aspirational vision, that allows me to like stretch to get yeah. to it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, of course. Uh, and yeah. also what it does is when I cast that aspirational vision, which at Keller Williams, you know, it's God, family, then business. I, I throw that out there and then people are attracted to that. And that's the type of people I want to be in business. With. It's also your filter to make decisions through. Absolutely. Right. And so it tells you how to how to think and how to make decisions. And so when you when you think about unifying your business or when you think about growing your business, uh, you're going to need to have defined what is acceptable and what is unacceptable from a thinking perspective and from a behavior perspective so that there's a filter for decision-making. 
part of that can be um, aspirational to your point as well is because mm-hmm. the aspiration of um, of the vision of Christianity allows you to make decisions that get you closer absolutely. towards that outcome. Absolutely. Like I, you, you filter your decisions through that lens. And so without culture, the problem for every company, for every family, for every country, without a clearly defined standard and expectation of culture is that you always gravitate towards em- entropy. We always gravitate towards a division right. because subcultures are formed when one overarching culture is undefined or is unenforced by leadership hmm. and leadership is plural in this case, mm-hmm. especially from, um, you know, a, a, a country standpoint, right? It is um, one, one president or one um, member of leadership uh, does not have the ability to unite. There has to be, there has to be multiple people creating culture. In fact, Jesus needed 12 disciples to create the culture. Right. Right. And so we're talking about it today. Right. So when you have your, when you think about your business culture, one of the most important hires you make is someone who will um, carry out and influence the culture in alignment with your vision. If you're the original visionary, an entrepreneur is who else will help carry the torch of culture in your organization and will they remain consistent in defining and implementing that? Yeah. That's your, would you say that's your integrator? That's your integrator. Absolutely. That, you know, you kind of, your co-pilot would work as well. To some degree, it doesn't matter who, what that, what that title person is. So long as the burden of company culture is not exclusively on on the leader. That's right. Yeah. I like it. I, I, yeah. Um, and that's the one thing that, cause it's so funny when you cast a vision, it's something that's like kind of personal. Yeah, of course. And so, um, like the weird part is like having other, you know, like indoctrinating other people with, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> well, so that becomes the problem, right? Is, you know, the, the root word of culture is cult. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so if right. you look at cult, as defined by you know the like you know let's let's look like jim jones kind of cult right yeah um it has all of the elements of culture yeah that are required for a successful business it's the same coin it's a coin it is just one difference right the one difference is whether it's self-serving and self-preservation versus other serving and other preservation is it for the betterment of people and humanity or is it for the betterment of self of and jim jones that's right and jim jones was all about betterment of self right. himself right um in fact so so glorified as to have you know his own um you know town and city named after him on on this this great voyage and in in a business culture, it should be outwardly focused. Yes. The culture should be about how do you influence the customer more effective? How do you influence those that are part of the end culture that are, that are members of the company? And then, and then you look at, okay, so now we have our culture defined. How do we actually execute um, and re-execute and re-execute day after day after day so that the vision of the company um, is not lost after the leader passes on to me i look at a business as a person okay and so like the collective the collective person that or the collective business and like the culture is the soul okay it's it's the soul like it's like 
like when I'm making decisions as a person, like I'm, I'm making those against like different, like you don't have that from a, from a business perspective. You don't, but if you have that lens or that filter in, in order to kind of filter things through, that's, that's what culture is. Like, that's what I love. Like, that's what KW is. Like, you can literally feel it has a culture. I've worked for other organizations, yeah. and KW has a unique culture that I've never had anywhere else. But, but, but what it allows me to do is we're entrepreneurial, top-producing, driven company, and yeah. so then I operate that way. Yeah, if yeah. that makes any sense, of course, because others, are, because there's unity, right? There's there's a binding thread throughout a company where others around you have the same standard and belief system, right? And therefore, everyone is greater as a collective because of that unifying belief system. Even though we're separate, that's right. We still have a culture of top producing entrepreneurship, business minded. Uh, and what's so great is because I'm wired that way, this is perfect for me. And some people come in here and it's not for them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I feel like it's almost, um, it's almost like it has to be a two way street. It has yeah. to fit for me and it has to fit for you. So when you think about, um, when you think about culture, um, one of the examples, I think when we look at all of the aspects that, that allow an organization to, after they've defined their culture, then implement and execute repetitively. Right. One of the one of the good examples I think is Disney. And oh yeah. And why Disney I think is an easy example for me to see is because most everything that we have seen or see now as it pertains to Disney is done without Walt Disney. Right. It was almost like probably you know if Disney the mouse. if Steamboat you would Willie, the mouse. yeah if Steamboat Willie was like 1920s. Uh, and, and Walt passed away in the early 70s, then everything in modern Disney culture lived after the, the visionary founder. Wow. And so how has, how has the company sustained itself and grown for this long after the passing of the visionary founder? Well, when we look at how like some of the oldest cultures in the world um, have existed, you think about like, you know, you have the Roman culture, you have Egyptian culture, you have Mayan um, cultures. You have cultures that really were very ancient yet lived on. Right. That lived before and after a great flood, or at right. least their stories did. Right. And so um, one of the aspects of culture that an organization has to have is a culture of stories. Right. What stories do you tell mm -hmm. and retell to remind everyone of, the lineage and the expectations of the organization. When you when you think about um, the the Christian religion, you hear the same stories told mm -hmm. time and time again. The story of Noah. Mm -hmm. For the most part, every major religion has a story of the great flood. Right. And there's a different individual in every great flood through every major religion. Christian faith has Noah as the focal point of the great flood, mm -hmm. and that story is a filter in which you can think and act right it's part of the culture and then um a great culture has symbols yeah and yeah. and the and logos or has um different signs that you recognize right and unify with right there's the yankees yeah I was going to say the Cowboys, they have a star. The Cowboys, that's right. You have yeah. a star. You have 
Like the literally what you we're building is huh? You said a mouse with a mouse, yeah, the mouse. Yeah. Like what? Like yeah, and we, like with sport teams or like with logos to your business, those are symbols that we wear logos on. You wear a logo on your shirt, yeah. So it's the same thing, and and uh, and that bonds people together. Even when you're in the, like breakout session, you have team this and team that. Then they bring in and they form little subcultures within the the business and they identify and they they gravitate towards that symbol. So that's one of the other um, unifying pieces of culture that an organization must have in order to um, to continue to grow and continue to achieve that vision is organizational and power structures. So a great example might be subgroups yeah. and then overlapping subgroups where um where they're really maybe conflicting or very opposite personalities yep yet they have to organize collectively together in order to um uh, contribute to the betterment of the, the organization right and so you know you need there needs to be an overlap between operations and sales um not not all the time mm-hmm. however there needs to be that overlap in order for them to be a level of understanding and a level of mutual respect and in, in the difference between um, each division of the company so that it's unified. Right. Yeah. Cause then you can actually have some division like where sales is against, you know, that admins, those yeah. guys are out overpaid. And yep. I remember I worked for a builder and it was kind of like, Division, that's right. Yeah, within the within the organization. So in order to create unity through power and organization structures, there needs to be a defined set of um, of like command or defined hierarchy of of handoffs or of like roles. Right. And then um, there needs to be a mutual respect and understanding by having some um, instances of overlap. And then um, a great culture from a business perspective or from all cultures perspective has to have a set of shared routines and rituals. Yeah. And this is one of the things that most people like, I think our generation has been roughly the worst generation for traditions and rituals. We have pretty well eradicated every ritual and tradition uh, that America had from a culture perspective. Yeah. This is what my wife struggles with. Every, um, this is, this is, I'm going to tell you, every Christmas day, every Christmas day, my wife watches the Christmas story. Okay. Over and over and over again. Literally, the TV Why? is, n- I've heard because of she's doing this. always done it. Okay. And so when we got together, I'm sitting here watching the Christmas story. Guess what I do? Yeah. Bleak. Man, she looked at me like she was she was gonna kill me <laughs> because you know what, baby, we just I've I've watched this movie a million times my entire life. Yeah, why are we watching it every hour? Because I've always done it this way. So what does she gain from that? By the way, I, like this is so I've tried to fix that or eradicate that, <laughs> and so I'm guilty of getting rid of tradition because it's boring, right? Or you've seen it, you're like, okay, and then cool, you flipped it on other again? people because now yeah. I have a traditional watching right? the Christmas so, story. But what what do you think the benefit of that tradition is to it's her? Comfort. It's comfort. That's right. It's certainty, right? And so tradition actually creates centering of yeah. certainty for an organization. It's the way it's always when, done, man. It, and 
oddly enough, when we get rid of tradition, we oftentimes um, start to erode the culture of a family, a country. I realize that now. Yeah, I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like, uh, well, I think that we as humans conflate. Okay. And so I'm going to, I don't want to make this about Christian, about, I feel like, like, all this, like the, the coronavirus has kind of taken all of our models, our systems, our habits away. And so like it affected the church. So like you can't, like my wife, she would get upset because like the music is, you know, gone. And, and the point is for this, but I, I guess the point is to hear the message. Yeah. But when we go there, we go for other things. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. Because it makes you feel good. Yeah. And then I think the church has kind of done that where we, they have fog machines, they have music, they have production, and people are going for a concert. Okay. And then they're they're sprinkling in a message. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's no Lutheran service. What's that? That's no Lutheran service. (laughs) (laughs) Here's where where I'm going to challenge, challenge this is that if if one, if one tradition is replaced or removed, that there needs to be a new substitute in place of the, it's the 11 o'clock contemporary service. Right. So like, if we're going to remove like the hymnal songs, then we have to replace them with a new tradition. Well, you, I, I don't add, think you that, add a service. That's what the old because my mom would be like. I like to. I just like to go to traditional services every Sunday and morning. And that was message based. Was it? Would you it call was, traditional like message all message? Let's let the pastor's daughter talk. Pastor daughter, <laughs> pastor's let's go. Daughter. I mean, at least in my experience with your mom's yes. church, because I grew up Methodist, but. Lutheran, it's the what the traditional stuff is like hymnals are the only songs you're going to be singing. Yep. But you also get like a pamphlet. You show up and you get like six pages stapled together okay. of everything you're going to go through. Yep. And they read through it, and yeah, like it's it's very old school. It's on paper. Hymns. You know, you can set your clock to it. Yeah. So there's a message involved, and then Mike, you go to church because of the message, right? Is what I hear. No. So, like, I think that's the problem. Okay. You Help feel guilty understand. that you don't go for the message. What do you No, I don't feel guilty at all. Oh. Like, what do you go I for? I feel like, um, I, I want to, I feel like church is like, uh, I feel like my pastor is like my, my real estate coach. Okay, so you go for the, the guidance thing. Okay. The so. way I want to expand my thinking. Okay. I don't, you don't have to play music. And to clarify, you don't mean he's get guiding you on real estate. No, 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 no. <laughs> it could, yeah. sa- it could sound confusing. Yeah. So, yeah. So. No, what I'm saying is this. I feel like um, a lot of times we think those things are God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We conflate. Um, we, we worship the Cowboys on Sunday. Sure, I, I guess. Like that. I feel like that's I feel like we are conflating oh, with the church. I feel like when we go and we feel like we're okay because we did this and we did this and we did this, when that has nothing to do with what's in there, with what we're here for. And I think that that is for us to feel comfortable mm-hmm. and not necessarily the objective. Yeah, the objective is to actually take is to have a, a change or an influence, relationship, mm-hmm. not to check a box. It's and not I feel some, like yeah. we're checking boxes. Sure, I agree with you. But let's look from a culture perspective, <laughs> though, at what 
it, how we can. And I, yeah, I, I'm you're sorry. right. No, you're no, you're deep. right. I, but what I, <laughs> how I want to like help help a listener understand right. is that that the in order for a church to to continue or a religion to continue its cultural. Um, to perpetuate it, you're yes. right. You're right. So then you have to have an entire you have to have package those things. Yeah. of things that cause that culture to perpetuate. Yeah. It has to be. There has to be a set of rituals and traditions. I think we've done a really good job of it. I think that that's the we've done a good job of rituals, like the like literally systems and models, like defining systems and models, and that's why we have huge mega churches now. That's why. That's why we have Zillow breathing down our neck because they figured out systems and models. Yeah. But remember the reason that Amy goes to church if she, is because of the music. Yeah. Is one reason why that person is part of the culture. Right. And so as a by for if you go for the way of thinking and the and the impact that it has, now the culture is ingrained in you as well. Right. And so as a company and as a collective of people, the retention and the way of acting and interacting is uh, multifaceted. It is because it, what works for you doesn't work for Amy. Absolutely. But, but yet you have one layer of unity, and that layer of unity is what is what brings you together, and that's the belief in the common core of values and belief system of the Christian religion. Yeah. And so when we think about building a large company, uh, we have to figure out how do we unify people, and then how do we continue. Um, to perpetuate our unity of messaging and beliefs. And in order to do that, there has to be symbols. There has to be stories. You have to trophies. have tradition, trophies. Have a, like a, every month's uh, salesperson of the month. Uh, have rituals like your quarterly, like we have Red Day, uh, where we come together collectively like and bond. Uh, do all those things, like have common, and you can infuse that into your business. Culture is not ping pong tables and foosball, right? It is it's not, not perks. Those it's are not. different. Culture is the way you interact and the way that you believe that, that unites an organization. And so for a business owner, as we wrap up here, the takeaway from this is um, if you're the founder, the visionary who is uh, working to build an organization that lives and impacts beyond you, then you have to first define what do you expect from your organization and from others around you? What is your personal standard that you want others to embody? Absolutely. Like, that's the biggest thing that this last couple years has been. Like, I tell people all the time, like, they see my business has grown. And I was like, you guys, that's not my business. That's me. You have literally watched me grow. And it's, you see the manifestation of it within my business. So like, yeah, like culture is you define that culture and then you align with people or you, you define your vision. You define where you want to go. You aspire to it and you align people that want to, that will aspire to that as well. And then you walk. And so once you've defined the behavior, now the systemization of it comes into play. How will you continue to perpetuate the culture of your company of the set of standards and beliefs of behavior um, and thinking, um, and this is where the this is where most organizations uh, break down. Yeah, because the system of cultural implementation and continuance is what gets hard. Yeah, because it's boring. 
Yeah. Because showing back up to church and reading and singing the same hymnal next week or the same set of hymnals gets boring. Yeah. And therefore when the when the next church down the street from you decides they have fog to start machines. In, literally down the street. Yeah. When <laughs> no, they, they implement have fog machines. Right. When they implement different songs and different yeah. different um donuts. cultural expectations and donuts, donuts. Will will you follow or will you stick to your cultural traditions and to your um, way of thinking and acting. Well, and it, it depends if, if you're like, this is the, like from a business perspective, if your culture has served you from a, like if I'm an employee within a business and it served me well, then I'm going to stay put. But then when you get this other brokerage or this other company coming up with their fog machines, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's the yeah. same thing. So you're going to jump ship because you don't, you haven't really bought in. That's right. So that's where the, that's where it's way too easy for entrepreneurs to chase what someone else is doing in the market is because they're actually not convicted of their own. It's you. Culture. It's them. Yeah. I talk to people all the time, and to be honest with you, I'm going to be dope wherever I am. If I'm at Joe Blow Real Estate, or if I'm yeah. going to be at Keller Williams. Now, this is the thing that happened with Keller Williams. Keller Williams allowed me to think. On yeah. a much larger scale, and I wasn't thinking big enough. Absolutely. So it gave me the cult, and actually, I don't think I'm big thinking big enough. Still, it gave me uh, in that culture was I was that was able to grow. Yeah. Because if it, if I was somewhere else, I would have been doing what I was doing. So the culture was one that aligned with your your belief system already, and then perpetuated your growth as a byproduct of the way others think act and interact inside of the company for you to be more effective than you were before you joined all day long the same way that the same way that i was and so um when you when you look at implementing the model it's defining your set of um standards for behavior and for thinking in an yeah. organization and then it's defining um the stories the systems the organizational structure um the the symbols and the routines and rituals and then how will you control and repeat that? So one, unfortunately, culture does not just develop yeah. um, organically. Yeah. Because anything that develops organically is a weed. You know what blows my mind? Did I, have I told you guys the, the stamp, this, the, uh, the paperweight story? I, I think we were talking about this. I don't know. This is culture to me, y'all. I'm in Washington, D.C., perhaps the most powerful we weren't on the show when I was talking about this, but it blows my mind. So we're at Washington, D.C., the most powerful city in the world, history of the world. And I'm in a museum and my wife loves museums. We go to Washington, we're in the museum. We walk in this museum and in this museum, there's a paperweight museum. OK, paperweight is synonymous for junk. Like if my car breaks down, it becomes a paperweight. So I'm in the most important place, the most powerful place, and I'm in a museum about junk. And this is like kind of bothering me because I'm like, why am I wasting my time looking at junk? But it was one guy, this guy collected paperweights and he had all these paperweights for over the years. And so I started looking at all these paperweights and I started getting intrigued. I'm in the most powerful city in the history of the world, and I'm watching one man's collection of junk. I want to know about that guy. 
So then I started listening, like studying about this dude. Because how badass do you have to be <laughs> to when you die, your like people are talking about your junk. So how badass is he? Yeah. Well, he's. I mean, I, I'm not. I can't I remember all that. Probably. But <laughs> what it taught it taught me is like I. That's what I want. When I'm gone, I want people to not necessarily remember me for paperweights. Unless that's what you want to be remembered Unless by. you want to be remembered yeah. for paperweights. But that is your cult. When you're, when you're dead and gone, your business can keep going. If you set, if you put all this stuff in place and then maybe one day we're going to be looking at your junk in Washington, D.C. in some museum. That's right. And the only way that happens is by having a culture that is big enough and strong enough that unites and lives on after you. In perpetuity. That's right. 